we're, uh, we're in the book of Matthew, and we're about to land or, or kind of wrap up this passage called the Sermon on the Mount. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made famous the, the axiom, the universal truth, the generally accepted idea that only the obedient believe. Only the obedient believe. Meaning that the marrow of faith is action. The evidence of authentic belief is your obedience. The evidence of discipleship is not your claims. It is not your charisma, but your obedience. The Sermon on the Mount concluded with verse 12. The concluding, the concluding statement is, therefore, that's the therefore, the therefore, everything he just said, therefore, whatever, however, you would like, however you would like people to treat you, treat them. Treat others the way you want to treat them. Do unto others, that, for this sums up the whole law. That is the conclusion of what began the formal section in 517, when he says, don't think that I came to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The conclusion, the crescendo of that is in verse 12. Verses 13 through the rest of chapter 7, Jesus is, uh, brings to his audience, he brings to bear upon his audience an eschatological reminder to obey. I find it fascinating in, in, in looking how Matthew has arranged this message, this sermon, that there's a significant port, a portion. He actually concludes it. He like the plane circles the airport three or four times because he is in use, he's using different expressions or different pictures to point out the absolute necessity of obedience. That there is an eschatological, meaning that the, the end of your life for eternity depends on whether or not you obey Jesus. That's a, that's a lot of pressure at the end of a message. I can't imagine saying at the end of any given Sunday, and whether or not you do what I said will determine, determine your destiny. Your destiny determines whether or not you listen to me. But I'm not Jesus. We saw last week in verses 13 and 14 that Jesus presented two radically different paths with eternally different results. There was a narrow path that follows Jesus unto life, and there was a broad path that does neither, doesn't follow Jesus, and it ends in destruction. Today, we're going to look at verses 15 all the way through verse 23, where Jesus continues to urgently enjoin his audience to take heed to his teaching. You ready for it? Here he goes. Verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not 
bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, do, and drive out demons in your name and perform miracles, many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Once again, Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is that same babe in a manger talking. We like him better as the baby. No crying he made. No threats of judgment he made. The evidence of authentic faith, of genuine discipleship, is not our appearance or our performance. The evidence is obedience. You need to say it with me. What, ready to go? The evidence is obedience. Verses 15 through 20, where Jesus, Jesus is saying this, or at least my par- paraphrastically I would say this, that it's not about, it's not appearance, but obedience. Not appearance, but obedience. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. I know it's tempting to think, oh, he's changed the subject here. He's, he's not concluding the message. He's, now he's kind of wandering off about what warning. No, he is landing this message because the essence of what a false prophet is has everything to do with obedience. Well, I'll, I'll show you. Prophet, false prophet. What does Jesus mean by prophet here? It's important that we don't read this uh, in, in hindsight or impose some sort of a 21st century uh, template here. But specifically at this time, someone uh, identified as a prophet was a covenant caller. John the Baptist was a prophet. And he, we, don't, we don't really read anything of him spending time predicting the future. But he spent all of his time calling people back to live according to the covenant. So a prophet was someone that under the inspiration, under the power of the Spirit, under, or under the apparent, the apparent uh, uh, inspiration of the Spirit, was calling people to live according to the covenant. And so Jesus is saying, watch out for these, uh, these people. But he's talking about people that, that have a spiritual voice, that were perhaps leaders in a certain context. Jesus says, beware of the false ones. Not everyone with a message is a good messenger. They can be false. What makes them false? Well, particularly here, it's fascinating to lean into it here. What makes them false is not necessarily their message. Their message may be accurate. Here Jesus is not specifically warning, any, warning us about a bad message, but he's warning us of bad messengers. What makes them false is also not necessarily the influence they have or the success they have or the lack of the success or influence. Well, you know that Joel Osteen, his church too big, he's false. Stop it. Okay? That's not the deal. Jesus tells us what makes them false. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
What makes them false is their agenda. They come to you, Jesus says. They come to you. They seek you out. Most people operating like this will show up in your life without an invitation. Start giving you advice you didn't ask for. <laughs> and you look around like, what, what? And if you don't listen to them, while well, they condescend to you. They act like they should be shown deference and honor and listened to, but you never even asked them a question. <laughs> hmm. They come to you. That's not an accident, Jesus says. They come to you dressed. Dressed in sheep's clothing. They are not what they advertise. They intentionally make an appearance to hide or to disguise their agenda. False prophets use their appearance or even the message of the kingdom itself for their own agenda. But Jesus says this, by their fruit you will recognize them. Now, too often, can I say this? Too often, I like to, I like to make sure to remind us not to weaponize Scripture. Too often, people will use this, by your fruit, you will recognize them. They'll use this, and they will weaponize this idea of fruit to, and decide that it means whatever you don't like, that's bad fruit. Well, you know, by their fruit, and I saw, did you see the pants she was wearing? fruit <laughs> you know i don't he only wears a tie like three sundays a year bad fruit jesus said by your fruit alone i mean the fruit speaks for itself am i right the fruit is not this is not a buffet of fruit for you to decide to whatever fruit means okay jesus actually has something in mind fruit is the evidence of what's happening inside the tree and, and, and if there's a healthy root, you're going to have healthy fruit. Righteousness in the, is the context of this sermon. Righteousness. Say it with a big smile. Righteousness, Righteousness is good fruit. Obedience to Jesus is good fruit. If someone is not obeying Jesus, that's bad fruit. It doesn't, their appearance, not fruit. Their message, not necessarily, that's a whole other thing, Jesus. It's a different time, but that's not this context. This is, if they're not obeying Jesus, they're false. You can wear, <laughs> you can wear a, a what would Jesus do bracelet and not actually do anything Jesus would do. <laughs> The evidence is obedience. And now Jesus illustrates his argument, making it clear. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. Okay. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus says it is impossible to fake fruit. You only behave what you really believe. If you want to bear good fruit, you cannot be a bad tree. 
If you have bad fruit, you need to deal with the trunk and the soil and the roots of your life. The only way to have good fruit is to be good trees. Jesus is so serious about fruit that he includes this warning. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Every tree. Every tree. Regardless of that tree's position, regardless of that tree's title, Every tree that every tree must bear good fruit. Obedience is not an option. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I know, I realize that we like we probably really prefer those come unto me all you who are weary Jesus slogans. But the same guy said every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and burned. Once again, Jesus is illustrating, he is telling us, he, he is putting the, the pressure of the message is eschatological. In verse 13, he said that the, that the wide road leads to destruction. And here is the eschatological warning again. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The way of the disciple of Jesus, our life is determined by considering the end and working backwards. And because of this, obedience is not an option. Only the believing are obedient, and only the obedient really believe. Thus, Jesus said, verse 20, Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. You can't fake fruit. Fruit is the proof. Fruit here is obedience to Jesus. Anything else is false. And anything, anything less is cut down and thrown into the fire. You might say, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. I've done some really spiritual things. I've I even have the selfies and the souvenirs to prove it. Well, we pick it up at verse 21 and we find out that it's, it's, it's not your performance, but your obedience. See, performance is what you do for the applause or the esteem of others or for likes or for shares. <laughs> or even to pat yourself on the back. Often it may have zero impact or influence on the rest of your life or the the internal parts of your life. Jesus says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Showing Jesus your Jesus merch won't cut it. You cannot name drop your way into the kingdom. You know, I know a guy, and I went to a thing. Jesus never accepted fans. He only calls followers. Entrance to the kingdom is for the obedient. 
Verse 22 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. It's interesting, uh, if you because we're going to read the rest of this and, and understand what's going on here, but the, the phrase that is, is repeated, and I think Jesus repeating it on purpose, is in your name. Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? The point is, prophecy and deliverance and miracles, these are good. These are very good things. And you, you and I probably, maybe you and I could, we would do damage to the thrust of the text, but we could substitute these things with, with other things. We could, you know, say, well, Jesus, didn't, 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 we, didn't we, you know, pass out sandwiches? And Lord, you know, didn't we do this or didn't we do that? Uh, again, we, we got the T-shirt to prove it. But Jesus uses these things because they, even then, to prophesy or to drive out demons or to work miracles, those things carry a holy stigmatism. Meaning it's easy to think that people who are doing that, they must be saints. They mu- if they're prophesying or driving, they must be a superstar. But the point is, again, in your name, the point is all of these things, prophecy, exorcism, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, works of power, everything, everything miraculous is done by the Holy Spirit. And he does them as a testimony to the Lordship of Jesus. Prophecy, miracles, signs, wonders, gifts of the Spirit, all of these things are the assurance and the influence of the age to come. They are to persuade us that heaven is real and to have heaven impact us and to have us live for heaven. That's the purpose of all of those things. But many will see those things or do those things and and what the Holy Spirit himself is doing to glorify Christ and they'll take that as an endorsement of their own approval. But performance is not an indicator of discipleship. Signs and wonders and healing and exorcism and prophecy, all of that is right and good and expected. It's needed. It all testifies to the, to the age to come. It is all evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord. But none of it is evidence that he is your Lord. The evidence of that is obedience. Without obedience, Jesus is not your Lord. Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now, don't, do not allow really lazy (laughs) hermeneutics don't let people tell you. See there, uh, prophecy and that the exorcism and miracles, that's evil. Jesus said they're evildoers. No. He is saying that even though they did things in his name, which and done in the power of the Spirit, that what they, were, they were also hiding and obfuscating the fact that they were not in their own lives obeying the words of Jesus. They were not living in obedience. And if you're not living in obedience, you're practicing evil.
Jesus, he says, oh, wait, I, he'll say, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What that tells us is that Jesus only knows the obedient. If you aren't interested primarily in obedience, then you are missing the point. The goal of this book is obedience. This is a very big rock of a very steep hill today. The goal, the goal of this book is obedience. The goal of this book is not for you to find hidden meanings. It is not for you to find secrets and then sell them. It is not for yeah, thank you. It is not for you to find and enjoy just deeper insights. For you to find the seventh version of some nuanced, parsed Greek verb and create a new doctrine out of it or just think about how cool that word is. I love words. Words are great. I love fun with grammar when it helps. But the goal of all of it must be obedience. And if if your passion isn't obedience, you don't have a passion for Jesus. Only the obedient believe. Only disciples are witnesses. We do not have an evangelism problem in the United States. We have a not following Jesus problem. Those who do not obey will be cast away. Away from me, you evildoers. Those that are from a more reformed or a Calvinist background would simply argue that perhaps these people never knew Jesus to begin with. They were just false to begin with. Entirely possible. I have no bone to pick with that. There's, there's no reason to jump on the Arminian Calvinist teeter-totter here. The point is, only the obedient believe. Jesus only knows those who obey. And again, Again, we are confronted with this eschatological urgency. The road, the broad road leads to destruction. If a tree, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And in case we're not sure what he means by these hints, he says, I'll tell them plainly, away from me evildoer. You're either an obeyer or an evildoer. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. I've never met anybody who regretted following him. I've never met anybody who took one step following Jesus and said, boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've never known anybody who knew Jesus and loved Jesus and, and regretted it. I've known far too many people who haven't and have regretted it. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy, happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's stand together. Let me ask you a couple of questions as we reflect and let the words of Jesus himself press upon us. 
Perhaps you'd like to bow your heads. I know you're gathering jackets and whatnot, but hang on just a moment. Let's not, let's let the Holy Spirit now, let's ask the Spirit of God to squeeze us lovingly, graciously, mercifully. The evidence is obedience. Is there evidence in your life that you're a follower of Jesus? It's important that you ask the Holy Spirit this. Other voices will condemn you eagerly. The Holy Spirit will speak to you with hope. Is there good fruit? Are you doing the will of your heavenly Father? Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit. And renew a right spirit within. contact with the Holy Spirit will by that same power imitate and obey Jesus that you will walk powerfully and faithfully the narrow path unto life that you will bear much good fruit I pray this for you and I believe it to be true with all of my heart in the mighty name of Jesus Christ if you believe it with me, would you say amen? amen? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Go bear good fruit. God bless you.